Last week we talked about the glory of God, the transcendence of God, and the feeling is, wow, so you know, big and creator and almighty, it can kind of feel a little distant. Today we're gonna to talk about God as Father, God who is near, He is with us and in us, and we can all connect with Him, and we can all think of Him, and, and really even have an emotional experience with God that we might have heard called a, a personal relationship with God. And that is actually possible because He is Father and we are His child. And so uh, we're going to have a little discussion about how do we feel the closest to God and where do we feel the closest to God. And, and some of these will resonate with you, and uh, you can maybe think about that in your own mind, is where do you feel the closest to God? What say you? I say. Uh, <laughs> I, feel, uh, I feel the closest to God, honestly, when I have that intentionality to just spend time. It's more of like a, a meditation. It's not exactly prayer. It's just sitting with God. So you know, that could be in the car, that could be in the office here. It doesn't matter where it is, but when I have that intentionality of just, I'm going to connect with God right now, that's when I feel, you know, the closest to him. I feel really close to God and the closest to him when, um, say like there's a need and somebody is wondering what to do and we pray for wisdom and then we look in the word of God and, and as I'm teaching about what the word of God says and what it means and just to see the life come in somebody's face, it's just beautiful. That's cool. As an educator, that's really cool. How about you, Carissa? My favorite way right now would be a long walk outside by myself, complete quiet. Nice. Um, I think a lot of people here are jealous. But you, you have to actually, you've got to take that time. You've got to make that time. Well, I have three kids. Yes. So this is very intentional. <laughs> yes. And with the rain, it didn't happen this week in the same way. And then school was out on Friday. So between school out Friday yeah. and the rain, I'm like craving <laughs> this time right now. All right. So you leave right now. Go to, go to a quiet walk. <laughs> I love it. Now, we want to hear from you guys as well. I, the, this band and this worship team, you know, behind me, they're truly not only the most remarkable musicians you'll ever see on a church stage, like for real, they're remarkable human beings. And so we want to hear from you all. Uh, where do you feel closest to God? Alex? Sure, yeah. I feel closest to God whenever I do acts of service. I love giving back to the community. Uh, I myself have a brother with autism, so I love serving the uh, community of families with uh, disabled kids. So I feel God whenever um, I bring my band a couple times to uh, events for kids with disabilities. And so you can just feel the presence of God during that time where there's a community helping out those kids and those families. Nice, very cool. How about you, Jenna? Um, I feel closest to God when I am able to utilize the gifts that I feel he's given me to pour into the lives of others. So whether it's leading worship or if it's working with my high schoolers and helping them discover their gifts and having that moment and just feels, mm, I love it. Yay. <laughs> That's cool. How about you, Sharon? I feel closest to God, surprising when I'm singing. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. So when I'm singing, it's like, even though there's all this music and this noise, it quiets me inside and centers me. So it's like that chaos bubble, but inside you're peaceful. That's why I love this series, because I feel centered. Nice. Very good. How about you, Glenn? I feel closest to God very early in the morning. I wake up early before the organized chaos of my day begins. <laughs> And when it's quiet, before everybody gets up, before the phone starts ringing and I don't check emails, texts, I go to God. When it's peaceful and quiet, I can hear him clearly then. So that's when I feel closest to God. Very nice. How about you, Paul? Well, for me, it's, you know, simply when I'm with my family and loved ones, you know, I, no matter what's going on, like I can be with them and I just realize all the blessings that I have and that God's given me. And so that's when I, you know, I'm just able to reflect and really realize, you know, that God's with me and God's present. That's cool. And Chaz, how about you? 
Chad. So for me, it's always been music. Um, <clears throat> whether it's a mountaintop you're experiencing or a valley, uh, there's always a song for that. And it's uh, not only a connection with God, but a connection with people, which is kind of one and the same a lot, in a lot of ways. Um, and you just realize that other people are experiencing the same joys and hardships that you are. And um, I don't know, it's just always made me feel close to God. That's awesome, man. I feel closest to God when you're doing a face-melting guitar solo. That's yes. just... <laughs> uh, me too. Yes. Me too. Um, uh, I feel closest to God truly in times like this when we, I'm with a bunch of good people doing good things. I mean, to me, that's just like the pinnacle. Um, I have a little trouble focusing like in quiet, and I need to work on that, Carissa, <laughs> so you can help me out with that. But being around people doing good things, as we say, advance the cause of Christ you know, together is, is really cool. Um, the awesome thing about what we're talking about is that every one of us had a different answer, and every one of you have a different answer. How do you connect with God? It's personal to you. The way we have a different kind of relationship with our different children, for those of us who are parents, every child is unique. They do not come out the same, right? So you have to have a, a, an awareness that each child is different, and the relationship is different, and the conversations are different, and the priorities are different, and all that is okay. So none of our answers are right, none of our answers are wrong, none of our answers are better than the other, except for the face-melting guitar solo answer. That was really good. But um, it's, all, it's all wonderfully experiencing God in our unique way. And so while God is this awesome, transcendent, mighty God, he is a very near, very close, very personal Heavenly Father as well. And that connection that we experience with God in our heads and in our heart uh, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our connection with God. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, I think says it wonderfully. Uh, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. So that's who we are in Christ, as we are adopted children of God. He has one only begotten child, who is Jesus, and then the rest of us are adopted. But he views us as he views Jesus. He loves us as he loves Jesus. He accepts us as he accepts Jesus. That's a gift given to us by God through the gift of the mercy he gave us through Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And by him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, which is an informal way of saying, Dad. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's who we are. We are God's children. So the experience that we have of a relationship with God is by his Spirit connecting with our spirit and telling us, almost like whispering in our ear and settling in our brains and experiencing in our emotions even that we are children of God. So I want to ask, how do we experience the Holy Spirit? For a lot of us, the Holy Spirit, we've heard about it. For a lot of us, we don't understand it, myself included. We don't understand who the Spirit of God is to us. But it's a, a journey with God in a relationship. So how do we experience the Holy Spirit in our own lives? So I think what I have experienced and what I'm really grateful for is in different seasons of my life and in my relationship with Jesus, it has looked different. And it's almost as if I look back now, I think God met me where I was in the season of life that I was in with the unique story that I have and the unique way that I am wired up as a human being. And so it looks different for me than it may look for others. And so initially, worship in church, in community, was a really powerful way that I began to know in an in a embodied way the love of God. And then I began to just really enjoy study. So learning about God, intellectually digging into not just the scriptures, but other books that people have written about God. And then Silence and Solitude has become 
uh, really significant practice for me. And then in this season, I'm noticing maybe a new invitation, which is to lean more into interdependent community with others, to have places where I can be vulnerable and even held accountable and um, in deep relationship with others as we follow Christ. And so continuing to learn and grow. Yeah, I think um, for me, like that, where I experience that the Holy Spirit the most, like that, where I've come to that recognition of it is, like I said, when you when you have that intentionality of of having like a time where you're going to say, "This is the time that I'm going to spend with God," and I, I intentionally, in like I said, it could be anywhere. Um, but uh, there's this. Uh, uh, Mother Teresa, I think it was, there was a, there was a quote. Um, somebody asked her, when you pray, what are you saying to God? And she said, I'm not saying anything. I'm just listening um, to what God has to say to me. And they said, well, what does God say to you? And he, she said, he's not saying anything. He's just listening, you know? And that to me is exactly that moment. You're just, you're, you're sitting and not asking anything. And I think that's why my number one answer is not, you know, uh, when I'm in prayer specifically or when I'm in worship, I don't want to think about anything. I just want to be in that place. And, and even thinking about those moments, like I feel like almost like a heartbroken feeling, like in a, in a good way. It's just there's so much love that I feel in that moment. Even thinking about having that moment, I kind of get like giddy, so, you know. And so that's, that's when I experience the Holy Spirit the most is when I just intentionally sit in, in this meditation of just, you know, focusing on him, sitting in his, his love and recognizing that presence with me. So. How about you, Dion? What a wonderful answer. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, or I grew up calling him the Holy Ghost. Um, I feel, hey, fly. <laughs> um, um, I really feel the presence of God when I'm, when I'm praying. Um, and uh, I haven't heard an answer today from, from the band and everybody on stage that I have not experienced myself, and I just have... Uh, that wonderful relationship with Jesus that I, I've experienced in different ways. But when I'm praying with somebody or if I'm praying myself, if I'm praying over music or if I'm praying in, in, in tongues or praying, just listening to, you know, or praying about a situation going on, like whatever it is, just that connection, knowing that God hears me, knowing that he never slumbers or sleeps, no matter, no matter what I'm doing and what time it is, I can always reach him like that's a beautiful revelation for my heart and my mind. And uh, I've always loved that connection. That's cool. And, uh, you know, that, that prayer connection is something, you mentioned praying in tongues, and I have not had that experience. So the beautiful thing about being a part of a diverse community of faith is that there's so many of us that have, so many of us on staff have, and so many of us who haven't. And that's okay. So I can, I can you know, know how you're wired and your particular unique relationship with God and do nothing but celebrate that. And hopefully you'll do the same for me. Absolutely. Yeah? You sure? Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> But that's the beauty of each of us having that unique walk with God is that he meets us, as Chris has said, where we're at. He meets us sometimes in the busyness of life and chaos, which is where he meets me. I'm telling you, the more chaotic and adventurous life is, the more I'm amped and up for it. Some people, they like that more solitude, like you two over there, that half of the room, uh, which is fantastic. Um, my, my brain just doesn't quite work like that, but I want to be able to tap into that, right? You, you two over there talked about intentionality and this message today is speaking right to me that I want to stretch myself in some areas to experience more of that relationship with God through his spirit in unique ways. Um, because I could camp out on how I'm wired for the rest of my life and be fine. And that would be fine. No problem with that. God would not judge that and I'd be fine. But how cool would it be for me to maybe try to experience one or two things that I haven't experienced before? 
and, uh, and just see how it goes. So we're going to do something right now, actually. It's not going to be weird, I promise you. No weirdness here. But we're going to sing a song together. For some of you, it might be a, a familiar song. It's kind of a song slash prayer slash meditation. Now, what meditation is, is, is more focus and quiet, right? More focus and quiet. And, and so we're going to keep it quiet. We're going to keep it down. And for some of you, you might just want to sing this out loud. Some of you might want to just pray it as a breath prayer. Just let your, you know, your lips move, but maybe nothing's coming out. Some of you might just want to be in that solitude during the song. Uh, some of you may just want to experience the words as prayer. Whatever is unique about your relationship with God, let this song, which talks about the presence of the Holy Spirit, and being aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit to connect our spirit with the Spirit of God in relationship so that God doesn't just remain this transcendent, big, kind of a distant feeling being, but for him to tell you through his word, through prayer, through this song, through our time together, that he is with us, that he is in us, and that his spirit connects with our spirit in this very moment. We can experience a nearness to God. So let's sing this song and pray this song together. There's nothing worth more will ever come close nothing can compare your living world your presence I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of Come sweet and my shame is undone in your presence Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come let this place and fill the Shame is a 
8. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So wherever we experience that oneness with God, wherever we experience that relationship with God, father to daughter, father to son, that is the Holy Spirit's work in our life, connecting with our spirit. And it is unique to you, it's unique to me. As any parent has a unique relationship with their child, so God has a unique relationship with you. But one thing is true that God is absolutely and utterly and always unfailing. He is always faithful. He is always faithful. He is always with you. He is always for you. He is always forgiving. He always looks at you as his perfect son, as his perfect daughter, because he's forgiven you before the beginning of time of everything you ever would have done in your life. He's already forgiven you. He looks at you as his perfect daughter, his perfect son. That's who God is. So a relationship with God has nothing to do with God navigating his way towards you. He's already with you. He's already in you. He's already forgiven you. He loves you fully and that will never change. So a relationship with God and the experience of a relationship with God is 100% about our response or our awakening to who he always is to us. That makes sense? A relationship with God is whatever we make it to be because God is 100% and always with us and that never changes. Our perspective of God changes. Our belief in God changes. And sometimes our, our beliefs can lead us to think that God is not with us and in fact that he might be against us. So for example, if, if you have some things in your life that are going sideways, you're feeling the anxiety of that, the stress of that, you might feel as though God is distant because you might think, well, if, if God was truly for me, my life would be working out better. That's a, a, a belief that defines your relationship with God as distant. We can change our belief and change our relationship with God, and, and we can then get to a point where we start understanding that whether our life is going well or not, God is unfailingly with us and unfailingly for us. And he walks with us, even feels the things that we feel as we walk this journey together. Some of you might have done some things in your life that you are carrying the shame of, you're carrying the guilt of, and so you might think that I'm separate from God and I can't have a good relationship with God because I've done some things. And God might be disappointed with me. I should be farther along in my faith. I shouldn't have done this thing that maybe hurt someone that I love. And you're feeling the guilt of that and you're feeling the distance of that. But know that God is always, always, always with you and always for you and never disappointed in you and, and never condemning you, never angry with you because 
of the love that he expressed through Jesus Christ. And so we can change what we believe to have an experience with God and a relationship with God that even though we've done some harmful things and even though, yes, God wants us to do things that are helpful to ourselves and helpful to others, he loves you. And in his eyes, you're perfect. For some of us, our view of God might be just big and distant. We looked at the vastness of the cosmos last week and how big it is and that God created this with a word, right? How can I have a relationship with God when he is so big? And this is where our belief changes and and says that God can be both majestic, transcendent creator and a very near and loving and personal heavenly father to me. That's the journey of faith. That's the journey of a relationship with God. So we're gonna do something, again, it's a little different, not too weird. We're gonna have a period of meditation. Won't be very long, but meditation is quiet and focused and repetitive. We're gonna repeat the next part of this song. It says simply this, let us become more aware of your presence. God's always fully present, 100% present in our lives. We just need to become, I think, more aware of his presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. God says, I'm right here always. I love you. I'm for you. You're my perfect son. You're my perfect daughter. Would you just become more aware of that? And would you become more aware of my goodness in your life? And so as we sing this part of the song, let it be a meditation, let it be a prayer, say it with your voice or not, but let's pray this out. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness Lord. let us experience to your plan, which is a good plan. Let us just become more aware of you, God, each and every day. Let us become more. Let us become 
some of you, that time of worship was very meaningful and powerful, the quiet, the repetition. For some of you, it's like, what did we just do? <laughs> and that's okay. We're just giving little examples of how we can connect with God and how we can experience with God through worship. Last week, we talked about worshiping God for his glory and his majesty, his holiness, right? Uh, his transcendence. And, and that would have us feel a lot of times very small, right, in the, in the light of his glory. And today we're talking about God's trans- his, uh, his imminence, his nearness, that he's a father to us. And at, at that point, we feel quite large that the God of the universe looks at us and notices us and, and is for us. And we're his child. That creates this wonderful embrace by the presence of God. All of it is worship. I would define worship as this. It is both the awe of God's glory while enjoying a relationship with him. It is the awe of God's glory while enjoying a relationship with him. It is both. There's a mystery behind that, right? Where we're both standing in jaw-dropping awe of God, and yet we can experience this incredible closeness. Some might even say an intimate, personal relationship with God. It can be both. It can be both. Now, I'm going to give you an absolutely ridiculous example, worst example I've ever given in church, completely inadequate, and I'm embarrassed and even ashamed to give you this example, but it is really spot on, all right? I was reading my newsfeed yesterday, and um, uh, Ryan and Blake Reynolds apparently are best friends with Taylor Swift. I didn't know this. Big Ryan Reynolds fan. I mean, like, oddly big Ryan Reynolds fan. My daughter's a huge uh, Tay-Tay fan, but I didn't know they were, they were best buds. Well, the, the Reynolds family has three daughters, and they call Taylor Swift Aunt Taylor. And it's just, she, Aunt Taylor comes over, and they play and all that stuff. Well, they went to a concert, apparently fairly recently, and uh, maybe last year, and they saw Taylor Swift on stage with 100,000 people in the stadium, and they're like, that's Aunt Taylor? Right? That's not Aunt Taylor. Aunt Taylor's the one who comes over to my house and plays with me, Right? And I think that's just a wonderful example. Not that Taylor Swift is anything like God. Some of you might think she is, but she's not. But you can't have both. You can have both a personal relationship with somebody who's a pretty big deal. And, and, and that's our connection with God. 
pretty big deal. Yeah, we can have a personal relationship with God who's our heavenly father. It really is a mystery, right? And that personal relationship with God is something that is uniquely different for every single one of us. And there's a few ways that we could experience that personal relationship with God, the worship of God who is near to us. I'm gonna give you five. Some of these you might just relate with instantaneously. Yep, that's me, that's how I'm wired. That's my personal relationship with God. Some of these you're like, nah, I just do not connect with that and that's totally fine. As we go through these, what I want you to to think is, okay, well, this is kind of how I'm wired and just embrace that, right? There might be something that we suggest here where you might think, you know what, I'm gonna give that one a try. I don't just wanna be kind of stuck in my relationship with God as as it is right now. I wanna stretch and I wanna grow, right? The way in our own relationships with our family, we might stretch and grow in our relationship together. It's okay, it's good. You know, there's no compulsion to stretch and grow in our relationship with God or to try something new, but there's just a gracious invitation if you want, all right? First way a lot of us experience a personal relationship with God is worshiping him through the arts. Worship is enjoying a relationship with God through the arts. And when I say the arts, I mean an all-encompassing the arts. Now, we have incredible musicians up here, and we, they lead incredible music, and, and that is worshiping God through the arts. The arts do something very unique within the human condition. Um, in, in humankind alone, the arts connect the brain with the emotions, the intellect with the emotions. That's uniquely something that art does. No other creature on earth creates art. No other species creates art. I know dolphins are a big deal, your dog's a big deal, not creating art, right? Only humans create art because we are made in God's image. And so God is a creator. We have that spark of the creator in us, so we are creative people. Every single one of us is an artist. Every single one of us is an artist. If you like music, you're an artist. If you sing to music, no matter how horribly it sounds, you're an artist, you're singing, you're expressing in an artistic way. If, if you are a scrapbooker, you're an artist. If you, whatever you do, you're an artist. As you make a meal today, you're an artist. You're creating something that didn't exist. You're putting ingredients together, you're getting advice, and you're creating something. We're all artists. Now, when it comes to engaging God through the arts, a lot of us immediately think, and rightfully so, of music that is focused on God. And that has been a religious tradition from the dawn of humanity is to connect worship of God through music. We see in scripture from the oldest uh, parts of the scripture, we see that music is key and integral to expressing and experiencing a personal relationship with God through the arts because we're taking, taking some truths of who God is, and these are more intellectual truths, we're putting them to music which stirs the soul, and now we have this experience, intellectual and emotional experience. Psalm 66, four through five says this, everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious song. Uh, the scripture even says the cosmos sings of the glory of God. And there's this, uh, this might be a little too much, but you know, the, the cosmos actually sings. The cosmos makes a sound. Uh, you can, I mean, Google it, sound of the cosmos, and you'll be able to hear the sound the entire cosmos makes as everything in the cosmos is moving. It is singing. Everything is singing to God. And so when we do music every Sunday, uh, whether you sing or not, and again, it's all good, it is an expression of art. Our creator is expressing himself through our creativity and through art itself. And, and in the Bible, this art is not just about music. There are plenty of ways that we can artistically express worship of God. Poetry is a big deal. 
Uh, I have to say I'm a latecomer when it comes to poetry. Uh, I had not related to poetry forever until we had some spoken word artists here at Rancho, uh, particularly from the inner city, and, when, and particularly the black community. And so when these artists were expressing spoken word poetry from this stage, and I'm sitting over there, and I'm like brought to tears. I'm thinking, I think I'm getting into poetry a little bit. Because there's an experience of how you put words together with rhythm and verse and passion that sometimes can only come through poetry. Uh, visual arts is a, is a form of worship as well. And it could be sculpture, painting. There's almost an infinite array of kinds of visual arts, including environmental arts. You're just putting together environments. That's an expression of creativity. Some of you do this in your own home. You know, when you are designing, you know, spots in your house, interior design, spatial design, that is your creative work as an expression of God's creative work, creating spaces where there will be experiences. All this is art, artistic spaces. Some of you are rather, um, you know, handy when it comes to working with your hands. That's a form of visual arts. If you've ever worked around your house, if you've ever fixed something, some of you are like, no, I'm out. If you've ever uh, built anything, it's a work of art that the scripture itself has declared very valuable in terms of our worship of God. Exodus 35. The Lord has given craftsmen special skills as engravers, metal workers, designers, woodworkers, embroiderers, and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers for the glory of God. So all of the arts, whether it's explicitly Christ-centered music or just music in general, doesn't have to be Christ-centered scriptural music. Uh, my playlist, I'll be real straight with you, I don't have one worship song on my playlist. I just don't listen to this out there. I love this, I love this on Sundays. This is where I connect through worship music with you all. But if I listen to these songs by myself, ain't doing anything. And so my Spotify playlist, and it's just me, right? My Spotify playlist has, z there's like 8,800 songs in, in my like thing, not one worship song. Well, there might be one. So will I, that's in there. That's why we've done it 16 times in the last three months. But so for me, I worship through music that's not explicitly God-centered, but I really connect through music where people are pouring passion of the human experience through music. I get connected there big time. So, you know, how do you connect with God through the arts? Number one, number two, I'll go faster, I promise, for those of you who are clock watchers. Uh, worship is enjoying a relationship with God through prayer. Dion mentioned that, um, others mentioned it as well through prayer. That is that focused time where I am going to very intentionally connect with God right here and right now. We do a little bit of that through worship. Uh, some of us uh, spend more time than others in prayer. I have to, I've been always honest about this. I do have trouble focusing by myself without music. If it's just silence in me, I've got like two and a half minutes. And then I start daydreaming and whatever, but I try to take advantage of those two and a half minutes. So right before I close my eyes, for bed, and right when I wake up, I'm like, I got two and a half minutes, I'm gonna connect with God. God, thank you, and all this stuff, and then do, 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 do. Some of you can really focus on prayer, and, I, and I'm actually very jealous of that. I'm trying on this. I'm really trying to stretch myself here is to focus on prayer for an extended period of minutes. Now listen, my two and a half versus your 20, you're not better than me. Don't be judging. Guys, like, that's an impressive two and a half, Treadway. Let me go over to this 20 minute person. But it's not better or worse, it's just different, right? But if we can focus through prayer, it really does center us. It focuses us. I love Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. I just love how simple that is. You wanna be at, at greater peace, pray. 
because we're praying to God, right? We're praying to God who is not only powerful, but cares deeply. You want peace? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And prayer can be all kinds of different things. It doesn't have to be the traditional word thing, but there are prayers that include words, words that praise God, words that thank God for everything past, present, and future, words that ask for help. God always promises to hear what we want. He never promises to give us what he wants. I just wanna be real clear about that, but he'll hear, he cares. But there's also wordless, quiet awareness of God. This is what you know, Carissa has been stretching herself on, is that, that wordless, quiet awareness of God. And Evan talked about that as well, whether it's in the car, in the office, just times of quiet, where you're not saying or thinking words. Meditation, we did a little bit of that uh, here um, just recently, uh, and that's a repetition that creates focus as a form of prayer. Readings, there are beautiful and sometimes even ancient liturgies and devotions. You can just pick up a book and, you know, that kind of that daily devotional thing. You got a paragraph a day just to kind of focus us. And then some of us are writers. I love to write. Uh, some of you love to write. Just, just, I don't journal, but I write thoughts down a lot. Um, some of you may journal every day. All of that is forms of prayer, and it's all good in the hood, no matter what you do. Embrace it. But I do want to be clear about this. Prayer is not meant to align God with us. Sorry. <laughs> prayer is meant to align us with the heart of God. A lot of prayer is, God, how can I get your attention? I'm super sincere. I have faith and I believe, I believe, I believe. Now, would you do this for me? <laughs> if we can kind of remove ourselves from that form of prayer and say, God, I'm praying really to align my heart with yours. I want to align my heart with the heart of Jesus. And so I'm gonna thank you and I'm going to praise you, not because you need it. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't, I frankly, I think even want our worship, but he knows it's best for us that we honor him as a holy God, a majestic God, a transcendent God, but that we also honor him as a near heavenly father. It's for our benefit that we worship. It's for our benefit that we have this relationship with him. And so it's for our benefit that we pray to align our heart with the heart of God. Third, Worship is enjoying a relationship with God through Bible reading. Now, I'm a Bible geek. That's why this is my job, and I love every minute of it, right? I started my whole relationship with God through the Bible. I was this very zealous, um, <clears throat> overly enthusiastic, maybe overly arrogant, little booger snot of a Christian kid who thought he had all the answers because I was in the Bible a lot. I mean, truly, it was... I was in it a lot. I knew it, and, and I could argue the scriptures from the time I was like 14 years old, super dork, when it came to my study of the Bible. And so I kind of always had this love for the Bible, right? Loved it. Um, but then I came to find that really the Bible is pointing to Jesus. I consider the Bible to be a giant arrow pointing to Jesus. And so the goal is not to know the Bible, and I had a big awakening on this. The goal is not to know the Bible, but through the Bible, we get to know who? Jesus, right? Jesus is the Word of God. The capital W-O-R-D, Word of God. Jesus is the full expression of God. The Bible points us to the full expression of God. That's why Colossians 6.13 famously says that the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. When we read the Bible, we are reading the Word of Christ. This is a gift that that God gave us through Jesus that points right back to him. And in fact, if you wanna talk about what the word really is, the word is Jesus. And so when we talk about the word of God, we're really talking about Jesus, who's the full expression of God, and we get to know Jesus through the Bible, right? 
The inspired word of God pointing us to the true word of God, Jesus Christ. John 1.14 just flat out says it. The word of God took on humanity and made his home among us. He, Jesus, was the full, the fullness of the unfailing love and faithfulness of God. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father in his one and only son. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the expression of God. Now listen, we really can't know Jesus without the Bible. I'm sorry, I just don't know of another way. We can have imaginations about who Jesus might have been, but when we read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in particular, we, we see Jesus and know Jesus, the full expression of God, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We can really only see Jesus through the Bible, which is why the Bible is so critically important to see the true word of God, Jesus. Fourth, worship is enjoying a relationship with God by loving people as Jesus loved people. For some of you, you're not necessarily prayer people. You're not necessarily Bible people. You may not be a music person, worship music, but you, can, you love helping people and you love volunteering. Um, this Thrive season coming up with, when you have the, the Thrive prompt for special needs that we hold and you've got hundreds of special needs kids coming here, there will be hundreds of volunteers serving hundreds of special need, needs kids here. And it is the most beautiful thing and the most worshipful experience you'll ever see in your life. I mean, I worship more that night more than any other Sunday morning because I'm just seeing the love of this church and the love of this community pour into these kids. And these kids are smiling ear to ear and we put on, I mean, they don't get little, you know, oh, this will be kind of cute. No, it's like everybody all in. We are giving these kids the best, the best. That is worship. Romans 12 says as much. Let your body be a living and holy sacrifice. Let your body, what you do with your body, be a sacrifice to God, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then it gives examples of how to worship God with our bodies, uh, verses nine and 10. So don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That's worship. Using our bodies, our hands, our minds, our time, our resources to benefit other people. That is worship. Fifth and finally, worship is enjoying a relationship with God through a Jesus-focused life. A Jesus-focused life. You'll hear about this a lot at Rancho. We wanna be a Jesus-focused church. And that is a very specific kind of church. It's not like oh, every church is, you know, some, some churches are big-time Bible churches and some churches are big-time like prayer churches and some are big time missionary churches, all good, all good, all good, all good. Rancho is uniquely Jesus-centered. If Jesus taught it, we're teaching it. If Jesus did it, we're doing it, right? That's kind of the idea here. We're rallying around Jesus. That's why, frankly, our church is, is very diverse, very diverse, because we don't all pray in the same way and study the Bible in the same way, and we all have our different expressions of our relationship with God, but we are all very unified on learning about Jesus, teaching what Jesus taught, doing what Jesus did. That unifies us ethnically. It unifies us religiously in terms of our background. It unifies us on mission together. And so we have a uniquely diverse church because it's Jesus, 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 right? Follow him. And we do it imperfectly, but we're striving more of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of his teaching, more of his lifestyle here and expressed I love this interaction that Jesus had with the woman at the well. Uh, Carissa did a great job detailing this a few weeks ago, but there's one little piece that is poignant right here in terms of worship and our relationship with God. 
This Samaritan woman is feeling on the outs. She's the wrong nationality, so she was judged. She didn't live uh, in Jerusalem, so she wasn't close to a temple or a synagogue or any sacred place, so she was out. She was kind of excluded because she was a woman at the time. She just couldn't be in the places that men went. She was excluded because she wasn't allowed, according to the religious laws, to participate in some of the religious ceremonies. So her whole identity was, I'm out. I can't worship in the right spots, and I can't worship in, in the right ways, right? I'm not the right gender, not the right race, and I'm out. So Jesus replied to her, a time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He says, you can worship God right here in Samaria, the place that's considered to be the backwoods and unclean. This matters every bit as much as Jerusalem, right? The quote, holy city. He says, the time is here and right now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So it doesn't matter the location. It doesn't matter the building. It doesn't matter the day of the week. Sunday morning is no more sacred than any other time of day. No place, no building is more sacred than any other building on earth. It's about worshiping God, as Jesus says, in spirit and truth. It's about us, Jesus says. It's about relationship. Not about ceremony and rites and rituals. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way in spirit and in truth. And she says, listen, I know that there's a savior coming. There's a Messiah coming called the Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything. She's basically saying, this can't be true. It's too good. That the mountain of my family in Samaria is the same as the Mount Zion, Jerusalem. She's basically dismissing Jesus. Like, nonsense. I can't have the same relationship as the priests in Jerusalem, the male priesthood in Jerusalem. I can't have, I'm disqualified. So she's dismissing Jesus. A savior's gonna come and he'll tell us what it's all about. What does Jesus say? Well, I am the Messiah. So basically what I just told you is about the truth, so deal with that, right? Do we believe that? Do we believe that we have every right and privilege to have a personal, deep connection, relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, than any priest, any pastor, any missionary, anybody that we think, Mother Teresa was quoted earlier, right? Um, how about this? How about right here and right now, we have the right as adopted children of God to have a relationship with God that is as pure and as solid as Jesus himself has a relationship with his father. That's a gift that God gave us. He's always here, he's always for us, he always loves us, he's forgiven us before the foundation of the earth. In his eyes, you're perfect, 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 perfect. And if in our worship we just believe the reality that Jesus gave us, that we are his perfect child, a child of the heavenly father, and we can just enjoy that right where we are. How cool would that be? Worship is enjoying a relationship with God through the arts, through prayer, through Bible reading, through loving others, and through a Jesus-focused life. Which one of those can you embrace and say, yep, that's me, that's really cool. I'm gonna, gonna, gonna keep enjoying that. And which one of these can you say, you know what, I'm gonna stretch a little bit and try this kind of prayer, maybe read the Bible a little bit. If you're new to that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read that 400 times and you're good. Then you'll be qualified to read the rest of it. Where can you stretch in your worship? Where can you stretch in your experience of God? We're gonna close in a song that is another kind of a worship experience. We're gonna start seated and quiet and then we're gonna do a Rancho Does for the closer and get all crazy, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. But really, let's experience the glory of his goodness. Let's experience his grace. 
Let's worship together.